Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, listeners. I'm back, mates. Returning to my second family, that's you, my listeners. A huge thank you to everyone that sent in their emails and well wishes my way in light of the circumstances I've been under in regards to my family members' health. Your support astounds me, and your understanding regarding delivery of episodes blew me away. So thank you. I'll have some very special thank yous at the end of this episode, so be sure to hang around. Today, though, I'm returning full force to One Last Round Part 3 by Keith Daniels. An experience of a monster, a creature, an entity unknown to a small group of friends collectively is brought up in conversation at a local bar where they regularly meet. As time goes by, each share a story of their encounter with this monster made of nightmare fuel that terrorizes their campus and them. Today, Lily shares her own encounter and the oddities that surround her escape from the entity. Join me, you legends, for an original that is sure to have your skin crawling. Disclaimer, this episode is not for little ears and contains explicit content. For those of you, though, that have bigger ears, enjoy. Leo was pacing by the bar, cracking his knuckles. We shouldn't be doing this, he insisted. I don't think it's a good idea. You're being ridiculous, Chris said. Clearly there's some sort of connection here. Whatever it is that's happened to Dev and I, this, this whatever it is, is targeting us. We should try to find out why. Leo shook his head. Come on, said Lily. This is important to us. Maybe you don't care, whatever. That's fine. But you're not going to stop us. You really want to know more? Really? After what's already happened? Leo stopped pacing to lean against the bar. Yes. Yes. Devon and Chris said in unison. You're crazy. The lot of you. Devon's chair was sent sliding back across the floor as he sprung to his feet. Don't fucking call me crazy, Leo. You don't want to hear it? Then get the fuck out, but don't- Devon was cut off as the hanging bell outside. McCarrows rang out in the night, clanging like a gong. The four fell instantly quiet. All eyes were on the door, but again, nobody entered. The shadows outside the front window continued walking past on their way to some other destination. Leo let out a long sigh and ran a hand through his hair. Alright. But I'm tired of waiting on Craig. Jesus, he's been gone for an hour. He reached behind the bar and grabbed a bottle of black rum and four glasses before sitting back down at the table. Lily was the first to fill her glass and swallow a shot. Liquid courage? She asked, looking nervously at her friends. Go ahead, said Chris. We're listening, said Devon. It was after the fire in Baxter Hall that I started working part-time in the library. 
With all the smoke damage from the fire in the basement, a lot of the focus was on sourcing replacements for the damaged hard copies in the stacks. The library itself was fine, but there were a lot of books damaged, and since I worked the 8 to 1 night shift, that's what I spent most of my time doing. A third of the stacks were sectioned off with plastic. Only the employees and maintenance workers were allowed in until the repairs were completed. For me, it meant a lot of walking. A hell of a lot of walking. Anytime somebody wanted to check out from that part of the stacks, I had to go and find the copy and bring it back to the front desk. But we weren't allowed to check out books from the damage section, so then I'd have to let them know about the delay and place a request for a copy from one of the other libraries. Total pain in the ass. That's what it was. What am I doing? I guess I don't want to get there, but I might as well get to the point. You guys have all been in Baxter Hall. You know how it was old and in rough shape. The drafty windows, the nasty washrooms, the tall, dark ceilings, the shit coffee. There's no point preambling and beating around the bush. That place creeped the absolute hell out of me. I'd always thought it was an unsettling place, even before I started working there. But four nights a week until 1am gave me a real hate for it. It was just off, you know? Always too quiet, and always too empty, and there was this... smell. Dust and old carpet and that constant, lingering tinge of smoke underneath it all. But there was something else too. I could never quite put my finger on what it was. That seemed... rotten. Like when you're walking in the woods and you can smell that rotten meat smell, and you know there's a dead animal somewhere nearby even before you see it. It was kind of like that, but I think I wrote it off as trash or mold. I don't remember when it was that things started really getting to me, but it was at least a month or two after the fire. I remember a few nights where I needed to go to the stacks to check for copies, and I got behind that plastic sheet, and things just didn't seem right. That smell, that rotten smell, was worse back there for some reason. And I would pretty much sprint my way to the shelf and back, so I could get out quicker. I did my job, I did what I was paid to do, but I didn't like going back there. There was one night where I was the only one who hadn't called in sick, hangovers probably. And we had a bulk request for nature magazines going out the next morning. Somebody needed to confirm the range of volumes damaged and, of course, it had to be me. Usually I could zip in and out of the stacks pretty quickly, but this was going to take a while. I took my phone and headphones with me to keep me distracted, left the nearly empty main floor and headed into the sectioned off area of the stacks. It wasn't so bad with my music going, but that smoke and rot smell was immediately noticeable. I carried on though and found my way to the journal section. It was an old library, probably hadn't been renovated in decades, and the aisles between shelves were really narrow, too narrow for my cart to fit. This meant I had to leave my cart out in the main corridor and carry back the volumes one armload at a time. There were at least 20 years worth of publications in that section alone, and it was taking forever. Occasionally, I'd stop and lean against the cart for a break, and I'd been in there for about half an hour when, between songs, I thought I heard something down the narrow aisle. It was a sort of creak, 
like the creaking sounds the floor sometimes made when you were walking around. I have plucked my headphones off real quick, looked behind me, down the narrow passage, but I couldn't see anybody. Nobody in the next aisle, or the one on the other side. I figured I was probably hearing things, but I left my headphones off after that, just to be sure. I carried on, dragging armload after armload of smoke-tainted journals down the aisle to the cart, and it was quiet for a long time. However, after about another half hour, it happened again, and this time, I was sure that I heard someone. It was definitely a footstep, a heavy footstep, the slow creaking of wood. Excuse me, I snapped. Only employees are supposed to be back here. I tried to sound authoritative, but I think I sounded pretty timid. The place was creepy enough as it is, but knowing somebody was back there sneaking around when they shouldn't gave me the creeps. Who would want to go back there anyways, with the dark and that smell? No response though. Everything just went quiet. I kept up gathering the volumes and finally headed back to the front desk through those tall, narrow aisles. I kept checking my shoulder as I went though. That happened a few times. I'd be back there alone because everyone else was always so swamped. And I'd swear I could hear footsteps or movement or whatever you want to call it. I just had this sense that I wasn't alone back there. But every time I looked around or checked behind me, there was no one. I told some of the other staff about it, but they said it was probably just the building making noise. Old buildings creak and groan, especially in the winter. And this one had recently caught on fire, so things were bound to be a little shook up back there. Shook up. Those were one guy's exact words. Jesus Christ. Whatever. I can deal with creepy. Trust me. Living on campus had equipped me to deal with more than one kind of creepy. That's what I thought, at least. Just play it cool. I told myself it was probably nothing. But I couldn't shake that feeling that things were off. Anyway... There was one night shortly after midterms where the place was just completely dead. Not a soul to be found aside from me and the other girl, Roy Sin, who was working. Lucky us, right? Everybody else was out partying and getting loaded and we were stuck playing front desk in an empty library. Lucky us. <sighs> We'd given up on being productive and loaded up Netflix on the other girl's computer and were watching fuck knows what. Whatever it was, I don't remember. It was just for background noise anyways. But part ways through, there's a voice from the dark part of the stacks and we both heard it. There's no two ways about it. H hello? That was it, just hello. Nothing else. Sounded like a man's voice, although I couldn't be sure. Was it? Devin started. He looked afraid to ask. The voice, I mean, was it? It wasn't your voice I heard, Devin. If that's what you were going to ask, it wasn't any voice I recognized. He rubbed his eyes. Well, that's a partial relief. Royson and I kind of turned to each other real slow. We both heard it. I swear to God... 
It was like we were both having a telepathic conversation, each of us waiting for the other to say they'd go. Did you see anybody come in? She asked me. I shook my head. Did you? I said. Must have missed them. She said and paused the computer. There was a long silence between the two of us, interrupted by a second, slightly quieter, Hello? I was about to volunteer as usual when she stood up and gave me a look. You'll come with me, won't you? Stax kind of freaks me out at night. I was flooded with relief. Yeah, of course. Together, we headed over to the damaged section, pulling aside the plastic sheeting that hung from the high ceiling and peering in at the acrid dark air. I called out, saying only employees were permitted and to please come out so we could help. But there was no answer. We went in a ways just to check if we could see anyone, but there didn't seem to be anyone walking around. But then again, that hello came drifting out from somewhere farther back. Hey! I shouted out. You shouldn't be back there, it's not safe. Again, no answer. God damn it! I said, and I was about to say, let's go find them, when a second voice called out behind us, scaring the shit out of both of us. Oh, excuse me? It was just some guy returning a book, so my co-worker went to go deal with him. I was going to wait for her. I really didn't plan on going in there alone after getting confirmation that someone was back there messing around, but at that moment, I heard the creaking shuffling sound that I was convinced must be footsteps. I started walking in, angry now. Listen, I said aloud to the stacks. You could come with me now and I won't tell anybody or you can keep fucking around like this and I'll call campus security. It's up to you. You're going to play nice or what? A long pause. I was getting ready to go back and hit the security speed dial, but then I heard the voice again. What? It said this time. They sounded even farther back now, and that's when I started thinking maybe it was just some idiot who'd gotten themselves turned around. It could be really confusing to find your way around back there, especially with most of the lights out. <sighs> Hang on! I sighed, heading down the main aisle. I headed towards the back of the section, towards the more heavily damaged area. The smoke smell was stronger here, and that rotting smell was stronger too. I stepped on something that rustled beneath my feet, and upon picking it up, I realized it was a piece of paper. It was hard to tell exactly what it was, but it appeared torn out of a notebook. I couldn't read the writing because it looked like it was covered in soot or dirt or something. I held onto it and kept walking, taking my time, looking down at the musty carpet. I saw that there was another page lying a few feet ahead of me, and I grabbed that too. A few more aisles down, there was a whole pile of pages just lying there. Cursing, I gathered them up as well. As I knelt there, though, collecting the paper... I heard that sound again, that creaking, shuffling sound. However it seemed to be coming from underneath the floor. Somebody or something 
was down there in the burnt up basement, making a lot of these huge noises like, well, like footsteps. That's where I said, fuck this, and hurried on out of there to the front desk. I almost ran into Royson on my way. She had been just waiting outside there for me, and told me that we needed to call security. Something's going on in here, I said, and whoever is doing it might be dangerous. So we did just that. We called the campus patrol and they came in their big pretend cop cars and checked the place out. While they did that, we sat back at the front desk and helped ourselves to another late night coffee and checked out the papers that I'd found. Strangest thing? It meant nothing to me at the time, but it wasn't soot or smoke that had ruined those pages. They had been drenched in some sort of black, inky liquid. The stuff got all over our hands and it stained and was almost impossible to wash out. It was really hard to pick out the words because they were so completely stained, but they looked like somebody's handwritten research notes. What the fuck? said Chris. Lily looked up at him. A lot were handwritten on lined paper and a bunch of printouts too. A whole pile of pages that must have been generated by a computer or lab machine with columns or numbers. My data, Chris said. The pages that were taken from the lab. This isn't good, said Leo, looking nervously around. At the time I thought nothing of it. I assumed they might have been lost out of somebody's bag. Lily shook her head. I didn't realize how close I was to this thing. Campus patrol found nothing, of course. They said that a few windows in that section of the library hall had been broken, so maybe we heard the voice coming from outside. The broken panes had been covered up, and they were too high off the ground for anybody to climb through anyways. Uh, what about the noises? There was definitely somebody walking around in there, and down below. They said I must have been mistaken and that there was a stairway back there that led down to the basement, but nobody would have gotten through it. It was taped off at the top, and the door at the bottom of the stairs was padlocked shut by the construction crew. No getting through, they said. No way. A few nights later, it happened again, but this time I was alone. I was working the front desk and it was slow. It was probably getting close to midnight and most people were packing it up and heading back to their dorms for the evening when I heard the voice again. Hello? That same uncertain man's voice. I headed over, bracing myself against the smell which seemed to be getting stronger, not better, as the campus declared. I pulled open the plastic sheet and stepped into the stacks. This time, though, I had a plan. I called up Royson and told her what was going on. She agreed to stay on the line with me while I investigated, and if anything strange happened, she'd come to check on me. I edged my way down the main aisle, stopping to peer down each of the aisles in turn as I passed. I was a little ways in. I started to find more of the pages strewn across the carpeted floor. This night, I didn't stop to pick them up. Instead, I kept going. Ahead, there were more. Then glancing down an aisle to my right, 
a few more pages scattered the floor. It's like a trail, I said into the phone. What? Came Royson's reply. Like breadcrumbs? Yeah, I guess so, I said, continuing on. The papers wove left at the end of the aisle, and I followed them. They seemed to be leading to the far left corner of the stacks. The part of the hall where the staircase that security mentioned was located. It was so bizarre though. I seemed to be walking for ages. Maybe it was just because I was all amped up and stressed out, but I could swear that by now I should have reached the end of the library hall. Everything seemed too far, stretched. I started looking around at the shelves to see if there was a label or cover I would recognize that could position me. But everything, the shelves, the walls, the books themselves, were stained with black. Turning a corner, I could hear something massive move. The footsteps before had been heavy, but this sounded like a boulder had just rolled onto the floor a few hours ahead of me. I stopped dead in my tracks, listening for more sounds. Then, Royston's voice came over the phone. What? She said. I was puzzled. I didn't say anything. There was a pause before her voice came back saying, Lily, I don't understand. I said... I raised my voice, assuming it was a bad signal, that I didn't say anything. There was a loud noise. Did you hear it? Again, Royston took a long time to respond. It sounded like she was breathing strange. What? You're Lily? You're not making any sense? You're freaking me out. That's when I clued in. Royston, can you hear me? I asked, starting to panic. Can you? Stop it. She cut me off. Stop it. Why would you? Lily, really, this is... I don't... It sounded like she was almost in tears. What the fuck is happening? Is that even you? I pleaded. Royson! Hearing the huge, heavy noise again from up ahead. Royson, if you can hear me, there's something happening in here. Something really fucked up. I'm going to call the... She said, her voice getting lower, more distant, more static-filled. What? Hello? Hello? Royson? Hello? I could just faintly hear her now, her voice being consumed by static. Hello? I can't... Losing you... You're... Lily? Hello? Hello? The line went dead. After a few seconds of that awful silence, from ahead of me some four or five hours away, came that voice. I hesitate to even call it a voice, because it didn't sound like a voice anymore. It was like a shuffling, or tearing, or crushing of things. But it was undeniably saying that one word. It was slow, deliberate, and almost confused, or at least seemed so. It called out to me. Lily! I turned back, 
started retracing my turns to get out of there. I had gone a few aisles when the voice came again. It was closer. It was still ahead of me. I thought I must have taken a wrong turn, so I reoriented myself and started walking again, using the high, dim lights to stay on course. I couldn't see above the high shelves, but I was sure now I was heading back towards the front desk area. But it was taking too long to get there, and again, from up ahead came the call. It was even closer than before now, no more than 10, maybe 20 feet away. I turned around and ran in the opposite direction. I didn't turn, didn't go down any aisles, but before long, I was faced with a long bookshelf that stretched about 10 feet to the right and left, and I stopped short, trying to decide which way to go. Before I could make up my mind, the voice came again, but this time, I couldn't pick out any words at all, at least not anything in English. It was like a moaning, crying, wailing howl that shook the floor under my feet, sending out waves of creaking and rumbling through the stacks. The dim light overhead went out, plunging the ceiling into a shadow that went on and on out of sight. It was on the other side of the bookshelf. <sighs> The ringing of the hanging bell brought the story to a standstill. Lily stopped and looked around at the bar, then the rest of the room. She had gone suddenly blank in the face, and her eyes narrowed in confusion. Lily, what are you doing? Devon asked. She kept looking around in all directions, that look of confusion growing stronger. Lily, Chris said, talk to us. How long has it been empty? in here? She asked. How long has it been just the four of us? Leo threw back another shot of rum, grimacing as it went down. Yeah. I... I don't know, said Chris. Maybe an hour? Yeah, an hour or so, said Devon. Or more? Lily asked. Devon set down his glass. Well, yeah, maybe. And how many times has that fucking bell on the door been ringing? She asked them. I haven't seen somebody come in or leave for... Chris paused. I don't know. I don't remember how long it's been. Doesn't that seem strange to you guys? Lily asked, looking around the table. Devon and Chris moved to speak but didn't say anything. Leo pushed himself up from his chair, stumbling slightly. I told you this was a bad idea, he said. I said we shouldn't keep doing this. He started walking off. Where are you going? Lily called out. I'm going to take a piss. Go on. I don't need to hear the rest of it. Leave me out of it. He responded and disappeared into the hall that led to the washrooms. Have it your way, said Lily. I was out of ideas at that point and just sat down on the floor with my back to the shelf. The thing, whatever it was, was back there, rumbling and filling the night with these horrible, otherworldly sounds, and it was all I could do to keep from crying. I tried my phone, 
tried to call Royston or Campus or my mum, anybody, but nothing seemed to be getting through. Before long, I heard something that did push me to tears. Sitting there on the floor, leaning back against the shelf with all those otherworldly noises from behind me, I heard, faintly at first but then more loudly, another voice directly in front of me. It was coming steadily closer. I closed my eyes, knowing that it was all over. Whoever or whatever it was had me trapped on all sides. There was nothing I could do to escape. No way to fight it. Lily? Lily? I opened my eyes. It was Royson. Standing there in front of me in her winter coat, flashlight in hand, I ran to her, throwing my arms around her in a tight embrace. I was so relieved to see someone else, anyone else in that place. However, my relief didn't last long. We can't get out, can we? She said. She, too, had tears in her eyes. No, I said, admitting what I now accepted to be the truth. No matter where I go, it's right there. It won't leave me. She nodded, wiping her eyes. Then we face it, both of us. We did just that. Turning to face the terrible, maddening noises, we whipped around the rut of the bookshelf together, and Royston turned to shine her light at whatever it was that waited there. She was gone before I even realized what had happened. The soft whisper of her boots, slipping on the torn, stained pages that littered the top of the stairs, the beam of the flashlight spinning around in circles, illuminating the dark for an instant in blinking temporary light. That sound? Her bones made when her back hit the steps once, twice, three times, before her limp body finally came to rest at the bottom of the staircase. And even then, as I stared in horror at her motionless form, there at the bottom of the stairs, lit up by the flashlight that rested next to her, it took me a moment to register it standing there, looming over her. It was impossible. With one leg on either side of Royston's body, its long, leaning form stretched up, up taller than the whole stairway, so that I had to look above my head before I could see that face. Like a... like... It was oozing and dripping with that inky black liquid and swaying there, just this bulk of flesh, reeking of death and rot and smoke, and as I screamed, the whole thing just blossomed open in front of me. Like the whole massive thing just tore itself open and bone, teeth, tentacles, suckers, mouths, everything. It all collapsed down on Royston's body. The thing could hardly even squeeze itself into the stairway all at once, but it forced itself onto her, blinding the light of a flashlight, moaning and growling and slurping. It was feeding on her. Jesus Christ! Covering his mouth with his hands, Devon just sat there, eyes wide. 
nobody would believe me, Lily said, crying. They said her body was found fully intact. They said everything indicated she had died from the fall, and that I must have had a mental breakdown when I found her body. My God, Lily, Devon said. But how did you get out? Lily let out a small, sad laugh. <laughs> I just ran out. It took me less than 10 seconds to get out the front door and dial security. People in the main hall said they didn't hear or see anything unusual when questioned. The cops didn't even consider me a person of interest in the investigation. The security footage at the front desk showed I was only in the stacks for about two minutes. Royston's autopsy revealed her time of death at about 48 hours before her body was recovered. That doesn't make any sense, Devon said, shaking his head. I know, said Lily. So I believed what they told me, that I just lost it, that I couldn't handle it and, and had made up some sort of story as a coping mechanism, but... She turned over her hands, revealing black stains on her palms. I can't deny it anymore. Chris was about to say something, but at that moment, his gaze turned to the hall that led to the washrooms. Leo was walking out into the bar, but he wasn't alone. Craig... The bartender was walking behind him. One of his hands was placed firmly on Leo's shoulder. The other held a revolver aimed at the side of Leo's head. The three friends jumped out of their chairs, shouting, but Craig cut them all off. What in the fuck is happening? He said. What did you bring here? His eyes were wide open, staring from Lily to Chris to Devon and back again. No one spoke. There was silence, interrupted only by the ringing of the hanging bell. Holy freaking moly. That monster is everywhere and seems to have the ability to target each person in a different way. Luring people to their deaths even, tricking them, using illusions to disguise itself and mimicry to fool them into thinking they are not what they are. Lily barely survived this. She could have easily been the one that was taken but lucked out and survived. Which I'm kind of suspicious of at the moment, because this creature doesn't seem to target the friends. Not sure why. We might find out. And the fact that Lily stated that she kept walking down the hallway for what felt like a longer time than expected tells me that this creature, or thing, probably had Lily just standing there in amongst the stacks of books whilst her friend was being manipulated into falling down the stairs. There is no telling what this creature is capable of doing, especially since the footage contradicts what Lily experienced. Now the ending, that's interesting. I think that what these friends have done is unknowingly stumbled upon some kind of curse, an object at first that spread from friend to friend. Somehow though, we'll have to find out mates, it's gonna be great, I can just feel it. Okay lovelies, I want to thank my three Ode Night T Titan class Patreon supporters. These are people who give to this podcast at a tier that helps everybody. Their support permanently shapes the podcast even for a single month of support. I buy new equipment, new software, pay authors for their work, and so much more. Essentially, like all my Patreon supporters, you keep this podcast on the radio waves. 
So I'll start my thank yous with these lovelies. First up is Magnanimous Maya. As always, jaw-dropping support towards this podcast. I've been able to pay subscriptions to Photoshop this year and also utilize some more plugins and also grab stock pictures, thanks to you. So Maya, you're enabling me to produce cover art, stylize my content with professional toolkits like the Adobe Suite, and really up my level of production. You are a genuine legend. And thanks to you again, I've been also able to purchase a series of new sound effects that you'll hear in this episode. Cheers, my magnanimous Maya. Next up is my amazing Divided by Zero, your brilliant gift that's helped me pay authors for their works. That's actually a real milestone for me as a podcaster in that I don't run adverts ever and the support provided by yourself and lovelies like you mean I can pay authors outright. Even newbies, you know, fledgling authors that actually need the kind of positive reinforcement to keep creating and keep writing. It's so important to nurture those skill sets and bring talent to the surface with this exact kind of support. Your kindness spreads to all those whose stories I narrate. So thank you so much. You're helping a lot of people realize their dreams. And third of my awesome titans, Solstra. Thank you so much for supporting the show at this tier because I've been able to cover off website costs and purchase more sound effects and use these funds to also pay off authors for their works. I'm also using these funds to work on upcoming projects and essentially improve old-time radio episodes and current episodes with clearer audio. As I'm always learning, I'm always finding new ways to improve, and most of the time I'm grappling with software to do so. Your support actually gives me the opportunity to do this. So thank you so much, Solstra. Next up is my awesome white tea warlord, Leza. Mate, thanks to your support, you've covered off the voice mod tool that you would hear in today's episode. I'm actually loving this tool, and recently they've added a new set of vocal modifications called Trauma Medic, which I'm just hunting to find a place to record with. Thanks, mate. You are a superstar. And now, the lifeblood that pumps through this show, my Earl Grey Enforcers. Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Paige Martini, Peter Raffelli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Dolphin and Cow. Michelangelo, Yakone, and Tea Time Drinker One. All of you are amazing. And you help every single month, every single episode with your support. Now, a very special mention to all of you lovelies that have reached out to me personally regarding my family and me. You brilliant and thoughtful people know exactly who you are. You've made me smile and you've made me laugh and you've helped me handle this situation better than I ever thought I could. Thank you so much for reaching out. I really do appreciate it. And for all of you that are catching up or a couple of episodes behind and want to reach out to me for any reason, by all means, reach out to me at storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com for anything, really. <laughs> I'll catch all you amazing listeners and supporters and pals next week. And as always, till next, we meet.